Hey everybody, welcome to episode 100 of Making It. Oh wow, thank you guys. Thank you. That's amazing. Okay, okay. That's enough of that. Okay. I'm Bob Claggett here with David Picciuto. How are you doing? Yeah! And Jimmy DeResta. Thank you for having me. <laughs> cool. Well, if it's not obvious, we are in Boston at our Making It 100 event, and I just said thanks to everybody who's here, but everybody who's listening, I wanted to thank them as well, from all three of us, uh, for you. making this show possible, for helping us continue to do this, and providing a place for us to uh, be able to talk about what we do, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys listening and everybody here as well. Um, I guess we'll do our normal spiel. Yeah. 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 What, what have you been working on, David? What you so working? I'm working on, and if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen teaser pics of the shaker table that I'm working on. It's a traditional shaker table with non-traditional pocket hole joinery. But the kicker to this shaker table is, I haven't made the top yet, but it's going to have an inlay of a hot dog for no reason <laughs> other than yes. to mess up a traditional woodworking piece with an inlay of a hot dog. So how prepared are you for the backlash? Super I'm starting prepared. right now to get prepared okay. because right. yeah, like that's not woodworking and I'm going to use my laser cutter to make the, the wood inlay for all the pieces, which mm. isn't woodworking of course, because it involves a computer, but uh, it's a, it's a, it's a fun project. That's, that's going to be amazing. That's going to be awesome. So, I mean, it's going to be like your new thing, right? Where like hot dogs are just going to be on all the pieces from now on. Is that I <laughs> Maybe. What I want to do is, <laughs> Maybe. I, I, want, I want to do things that have, like, this could be a traditional woodworking project, but then there's that, like, why did he do that? Or that was awesome. Left or turn. The, the left, that turn. left turn. Yeah. More left turns in my I video. think it has something a little bit to do with your wiener dog. Just a little I bit. love wiener dogs. Oh, my God. I love wiener dogs. <laughs> and can I say, you, you did that table the other day, and you, you said, I hate the way this table looked. It looked like a go-go dancer reaching up on the top shelf. That's my favorite comment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Anybody see the table he made with the 60s, 1960s brass legs? It looked like go-go boots standing on their tippy toes. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you didn't see it, Jimmy's not making fun of the finished product. He's making fun of what I intended it to be, and I get the legs installed, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it, and I didn't know what to do, because I've been talking about making this table for a couple weeks now. And I hit the point where I'm like, I don't like the way it looks. It, it's, it's awful. I'm not, I'm not happy with this. And so I just let it sit for a week. And I didn't put out a video last Thursday because of it. And then I was like, I'm just going to make a bench out of it. I'll just cut the, the part that I hate off and make a bench. And then it, I'm, now I'm happy with it. So here we are. Right on. So I, I'm curious about that. Like, you weren't happy with it and you made the choice to do something different. But was there a point in there where you thought like, oh, well. I'm just not happy with it, and this is one of those things that I'm just gonna like let go and move on. Or was it? Were you like motivated to fix it? No, I was not motivated to fix it right away. I wanted to be like I've committed to this thing. I usually try to finish what I commit to, and I, I thought at first I thought I'm just gonna plow through and I'm gonna pretend like I like it, and then and then like that's not cool. That's not authentic, right? And the trolls um, will get you. The trolls will get me. 
And I just sat on it for a week, and which sometimes that's what you need to do is just, if you hit that, hit that wall, back away from it. And I'm like, oh, this is going to make a perfect bench. So, hmm. yeah. I, ah, ah, yes. John said because you were sitting on it, which yeah. is a sitting bench. Thanks, John. So did you throw those legs away? What'd you do with them? I still have them. I don't know what to use them for. I don't know that I can find a good use for them. I can. I just need to be a little creative with it, but... Whatever it is. Remind, they it, reminded me of like, um, what do you call those? Onion domes? Yeah. For, from like uh, uh, Islamic architecture. Yeah, yeah, it's that style. Well, whatever you do with them, it has to have a hot dog on it. Of course, of yeah. course. Cool. Jimmy, what have you been up to? Uh, what am I working on? Um, I, I, I've been starting a lot of projects, but unfortunately I haven't got a chance to complete them, and I talked about that in my last uh, video blog. Um, that chisel that I talked about with the bent end, I'm glad I, I wasn't going to put it in the vlog, but I did, and I got a lot of people reminding me that that last two inches is probably the most important part. I have this, if anybody hasn't seen this big chisel that's snapped off right at the end. I got it at the antique shop like that, really in a, a junk shop. And so I'm glad I, I put that up, because, and I was like, you're absolutely right. Every, every one of you people who commented that that's the, the meat and potatoes of the chisel right there, and I'm about to throw it away. So I'll restore it, I'll bend it back and snap it off, of course, and then weld it back in and see what I could do. So I'm working on that. And uh, barely hanging out. It looks like it's barely attached. No, it's funny. My buddy picked it up and like, I go, no, 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 no. He goes, oh, no, I just wanted to feel how strong I was. But no, it's, it's on there really sturdily. Yeah, I, I thought it would snap off when I took it out of the, 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 the rust. I put it in vinegar. But you know, once I cleaned it off with this, the, the wire wheel and everything, it's on there. So hmm. I, I, I probably will see if I can bend it back. But maybe he, I don't know. Uh, whatever I do won't be the right thing. So I'm just going <laughs> to. That's the spirit. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> so maybe I'll braise it with brass so that it has a nice gold line to remind everybody broken. To you could just break it in half and then weld in a Leatherman container right in between the two pieces. <laughs> I'll break it in half and then throw it in the garbage on the video so everybody will be happy. <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll restore that. And uh, what else have I been working on? Um, I'm, I'm making uh, my, my friend Paul... Uh, is a DJ and he puts out album compilations of his uh, of his mixes and his stuff. So I'm making an album box for his this one compilation he made, which consists of like three albums, a photo album and uh, a magic wand and a DVD. Long story. And this will all be in this box. So that's one of the things I'm working on. It's been a tough couple of weeks for me. I just haven't been able to get out. You know, with some of my, uh, you know, uh, Lucky's been sick, so he seems like he's doing better today, thankfully. And um, my uh, plumbing issues. I didn't even tell anybody. I had the plumbing issue in my backyard on Thanksgiving evening and then all day Friday. And then Saturday morning, I got a phone call from the landlord at my house that said, we're going to break your door down because your sink has been overflowing for two days. And that was in my apartment in New York City. And that is the truth. I didn't put it in the vlog because it's just too much depressing plumbing problems. <laughs> I videotaped my kitchen with, like, stained floor and... Every, uh, all my wood in my, my apartment is all peeled up and like shaped like potato chips. So we fixed that. But that's just a... Uh, so that slowed me all down. But I'm glad we're here. And I'd, I'd like to thank Jeff Duro. Oh, Jeff yeah. Duro is yeah. the reason we have a podcast. And that's right. I wanted, before I forget, I just wrote a note. Um, Jeff, in a Facebook comment two years ago, said, why don't you guys do a podcast together? And we were just casual acquaintances on the comment section. And then we talked. And I said, I don't know, you guys want to do it? And one of you guys said, let's do it. If it stinks, we just don't have to play it. <laughs> yeah. Bob was like, 
you guys want to? And I knew Bob really wanted to. <laughs> I mean, it's no big deal to me, but you know. It's like, what are we going to talk about? Is anybody going to care what we have to say? Yeah. And I was sitting in a Hooters, and right after, because we were just, this is true. We were it's driving. Photos. Yeah, we were driving. Um, Taylor and I were driving back from an emergency delivery in Nashville. I had to drive something to one of my clients. And we're driving back, and the phone call, our group phone call was taking place right on 40. And I was driving until, because I'm going to Hooters. I'm like, all right. So we drove into Hooters while we were talking on the phone. And then we sat down for dinner once we got off the phone. And I was like, I have this old name, Making It, which was the name of a show we pitched. And so I had a good sign that's in my shop. You've all seen the sign, Making It, made out of copper. I made that to pitch a television show. And we ended up changing the name of Making It to Hammered. So that was 10 years ago. And so I was like, we got the name Making It. I got a cool sign if you guys want. We, I think I even had makingit.com. And I sketched it on a napkin at Hooters. And I sent these guys pictures of it. And we were friends for like 10 minutes. And after all was said and done, we're like, yeah, let's just try that name. It sounds like it'll work. Yeah. Here we are. Big Thank thanks you, 100 to Jeff. episodes later. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So for me, I don't know if you were listening last week, but last week I said that I probably wasn't going to put a video out this week because I had some long-term projects on. I'd put out a video this week, and I probably won't put out a video next week. So, yeah. Um, I ended up making a uh, little uh, advent calendar, advent like calendar. a yeah, Christmas tree that lights up. Of course, it's Arduino-powered. Everybody expected that from me. Um, and I'm really happy with it, and it was a quick one-day thing that I thought, if I put this out next this week, that'll give me time to finish what I'm working on for next week. Turns out that wasn't actually the case. And so I'm gonna skip next week, but I have two cool projects kinda in progress and I'm, I'm shuffling them back and forth. Um, I'll give it a hint. You know, I like to keep things you know, secret, but one of them is the materials, and this is for the Reclaimed Audio guys. <laughs> a pair of crutches, a bed frame, and an exercise bike. So, figure that out. So, that's all of you so Somebody far. Somebody who's um, crippled and lazy and likes to ride a bike. Wow, you got it. <laughs> um, so, there's that one. And then the thing that's going to come up pretty soon, I've been working on um, a helmet from Star Wars. I, that's how I got into Fusion 360. We've been talking about Fusion a lot lately. And I decided this helmet that I, from the new Star Wars movie that's coming out. Hey, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out, Jimmy, in case you didn't know. I still got to see the first one. Yeah, you do. Um, I'll catch up. Anyway, so I, I, there's, a, there's a design I really like from this new movie, and so I decided to use that as a way to learn Fusion 360. So for me, learning software like that works best when I have something that's, that's not my design that I can look at, and if I get it wrong in the software, it's obvious that it's wrong, right? I have reference that is from every angle, and yeah, so... I was just talking to somebody about that, how just last night, I forget who we were talking to, in the lobby, you want to learn Fusion, pick an object and yeah. copy it. Right. Figure out how to copy it and have a reason to use it. Have a reason to use it. Yeah. 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 So I, I spent probably 40 hours modeling that over wow. a month. I mean, it was like, you know, in between other things, I would model a little bit and everything. Really happy with the first endeavor into Fusion. And I highly suggest if anybody's interested in like uh, digital fabrication, just start there. Just get started with it. Anyway, so I got this whole thing modeled. Then I had to go through the process of figuring out how to cut, because it's like bigger than my head, right? It's obviously this big thing, and I wanted to 3D print the entire thing. So then I had to figure out how to chop this model up into pieces that would fit on my printers, and then I have to figure out how to reassemble them and then hide the fact that it was reassembled. The whole, the whole and, cam aspect. Are, are you through the cam yet? <clears throat> Taking um, your design and putting it through the paces of being 
manufacture. Yeah, well, with the th with, with 3D printing, it's a little bit different than taking CNC from Fusion because uh, you just kind of send your model out to your slicing software. So you don't have the same cam operations. Oh, so you, you don't have would. to make that many choices. I right, understand. yeah. So it's a little bit easier from that aspect to go to production from it. But anyway, so I've spent the last several days, I got this thing assembled, and it's like a real helmet. It's super cool looking, and I'm a big nerd, I understand. Um, but then it's like, you know, I have this helmet, but... It has print lines all over it, so it needs Bondo, which means sanding, which means more Bondo. Have you tried priming. acetone? Um, acetone works for ABS plastic. Oh, never um, mind. I printed in uh, PLA, which acetone doesn't do anything for. And there are some other ways to soften the build lines on a 3D print with a solvent, but um, with PLA plastic, it's easiest pretty much just to use a filler primer and then sand and just do it over and over. So that's where I'm at with that, and that finishing process is what's taking, you know, so I'll probably end up skipping next week and try to get this out for the movie release, and I'm really excited about it. It's going to be super cool. What movie? <laughs> <laughs> New Star Trek. It's coming out. You've been posting teasers on your Patreon, so if you're not up... That's right. I like to make stuff Patreon supporter. You haven't seen this, but if you are, yeah. it looks amazing. Well, thanks. I've actually been doing teasers of both of these projects. Yeah. So what, about, what about happened to that really long-term project that... Double I don't want, don't, stop, nope, just stop, uh, stop. Just wondering. Just stop. They know about a secret project that's been, and there's a few other people. <laughs> it's like two years in, so I'm just mind. not going to tell you about it, so, you know. Never mind. Yeah. Anyway, so what are we going to talk about? I think we're going to quickly cover two subjects, and then we're going to take some questions, right? Sure. So... We, we, we only came with one subject, and then we thought, well, let's add this other thing, which is community, right? Yeah. Let's start with that. Okay. And I, I wanted to hear, I don't know what angle we're taking on this. We're not really prepared. Right. We're, yeah. just, we're just here, we're going to wing it, and we're going to talk about... This is, this is the way we do it, by the way. We get on Skype, and we go, so what are we talking about today? And like... And there's this like happens. two minutes of silence. And yeah. then somebody goes, well, I got We're this email. Text yeah. messages while we think the other one's thinking. So, <laughs> so basically, uh, community is a huge part of what, what we do, the three of us, like our careers, right? A lot of that is built around community. Um, and so I think it would be super easy for us to talk about YouTube as a community. But that's, I think, that's the low-hanging fruit. That's the easy part. I think talking a, a level up about communities and what value they bring and your place in the community, I think is maybe a little broader and maybe a little more interesting and abstract. Mm -hmm. So um, as a person who makes something, no matter what it is, um, if, you're, if you're like an artist or a, a craftsperson or something, generally you kind of work alone. You have a vision um, and to execute that vision, you are the one who can, can really get it out. Even if you have like other people helping you, you're the one with the vision, you're the one that has to get that thing out. And that can be uh, super productive, it can also be extremely lonely, and it can be extremely, um, like you just don't have all the things that you need to get your vision out a lot of times. And that's where I think uh, the most basic usefulness of a community can come in is because you have support. And I, I think you know the YouTube thing is an easy way for us to talk about this because it's where we live. Um, but the support that we get, or at least I'll speak for myself, I'm going to speak to these guys. The support that I get from the community is not just support in that like, Bob, you know, I'm going to pat you on the back, you're really good at what you do, that's great, good job, neat, nice shirt. It's not that, right? It's 
I mean, that stuff is nice, and that, that makes me feel good, but the support is the, um, what you're doing is changing something. What you're doing is getting to the core of your goal. What you're doing is making an impact on people. That's support, because that's somebody coming along and saying like, you know, I'm letting you know that what you're trying to do is actually working. Not good job, Bob, not, you know, all that stuff. It's, it's working, so keep it up. That's, for me, that's what support is. And so, the comments uh, on YouTube videos where somebody says like, this is awesome, I'm gonna make this with my kid this weekend. Oh, yeah. that's support. That's saying what you did made a, an impact on me and now it's gonna like translate into an action, you know? Uh, and whether that's like exactly what I planned or what I did or they're just gonna spend more time with their kid or whatever the case may be, they're letting me know that what I did is having an effect outward past me. And so, I, and you can't get that feedback if you're by yourself, right? I can make the most beautiful, most complicated thing in, my, in the world, in a room by myself, zero impact at all. So when I think about communities, I think about the way that that, that process that I just described happens, but the cool thing about it is not like me on the top and everybody in the community is down, well, this is a bad example because I'm actually higher than all of you right now, but. <laughs> It's not this, right? It's not me being on a taller table than you guys and everybody going like, hey, you made a difference, whatever. It's you guys. It's all of you sitting at the same level in the same type of chairs, doing the same type of work, sitting next to each other saying, you're making a difference. You affected me in some way. You, it's like these connections and all these friendships that are growing up around here. Yeah, there's a, there's a huge network. I mean, there's a big love fest today, of course, but the network that the YouTube community has provided each and every one of us is this unbelievable learning experience, but it gives me the ability to like, instead of ignoring seeing C, because I just don't know how anybody that does it or I have no connection to it, or I don't feel like going back to class, I can be in this community and go check out CNC NYC. I could sit here and talk to Tony about some very specific details. That's what's great about this community. I could talk to Rory May, who's here, everybody? Dirty Smith, Rory May is in the house. Hey. <laughs> and Rory. although I never really done much blacksmithing in the true sense of the word, I can discuss and watch and see how certain things are done and I could pick up the phone and we could talk. So that's, that's one thing that I love about this community. And, and you know, I, I, I appreciate the accolades I get, but there's, I learn just as much from everybody else as people might learn from me yeah, on, on many levels. My ultimate goal is to try to teach creativity, which I don't know how to do yet, but I always, I've always felt anybody can be creative. You just have to put in the time and you have to put in the effort. And so when, I, when somebody watches my videos or downloads my plans, I, I ultimately want them to take that and make it their own and do their own thing. And when they do that, that is amazingly awesome. I also, the biggest compliment I can possibly get is when some of you have come up and like, look at this thing. I made this from your video. This is like, that's a, that's that great. blows my that's mind great. that you made something that I've made that like, I can't, I cannot express how awesome that makes me feel. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't make plans, and not yet. My buddy, who's an amazing 3D artist, has been making some plans of my projects. I've talked about this before. But what's cool, too, is because I don't make plans, and people actually extrapolate the information, I see these like oddly weird versions of the things I made. Because they're like, they don't have anything to go by except for the video. And 
and it's great to see that determination to figure it out from just still images. Yeah, for sure. And so, the, the, I mean, the effect of communities in that way is, is really cool because you can see the result of what you're doing and you get support supporting what you're doing. Um, but I think it also like being a part of something bigger than yourself can do a whole lot for you as like personal growth stuff, right? So when you have the chance to, um, I guess there's two, two positions to be in here. One is what I was just talking about where like you're the person who does a thing and gets feedback on it. That feedback is beneficial and it, you know, it, it promotes what you're doing to continue to do it. The other person is, is that other thing um, where they are the consumer and the feedbacker, that's, that's not a word, but the person that, that, that consumes the thing, processes it and figures out how it applies to them or like what impact it made or whatever, and turns around and makes an impact themselves on the original poster or, I don't know, I don't have good words for this stuff, this particular thing, it's kind of abstract. Use your words. Yeah. Um, anyway, the point being that there's, there's multiple positions in like a community. It's not, it's not all that, um, everybody is looking for support from everybody else. A community is an opportunity for you to be supportive of, the, of other people, which is not natural for a lot of us. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's natural for us to, to think about ourselves and to get to our goal and to do our thing and meet, meet our needs and all that stuff. It's not really natural to look around and see like, who needs support? And you know, how can I help by saying a one little thing? Or how can I, there, there have been times where I made movies that I wasn't proud of, and I didn't like the net result, but I was like, you know what? Somebody will get something out of this, right. hopefully. Yeah. And then somebody says, this is my favorite video. I'm like, this video sucks, but <laughs> I, don't like it. I don't say that. That's what I say on the inside. Yeah. But a good example of that is like, you know, we were setting up here yesterday, and all of these people who are our friends were here for no other reason than to help. They weren't getting anything out of it. They weren't getting the pat on the back, you're doing a great job thing. They were here saying, what can we do to help you make this easier? That's amazing. And so we have, we have the opportunity to be um, multiple places within a community. And that's amazing. And that's not specific to the community. Um, I'm, I'm hogging the conversation here. I don't mean to do that. But one thing I really like about YouTube as a platform is that I see it as a community of communities. Sure. I mean, I, you know? I'm in like five communities. Right, right. I mean, you're a part of, of a bunch of different groups of people that you have something in common with. I started YouTube as a musician. And so I got to know a bunch of other people who made music on, on video. Um, and I think that's when I realized that like, it's not cat videos. I mean, it's not just cat videos. There's cat video people. And then there's musicians. And then there's makers. And then there's uh, people who cook. And there's people who talk about this. And people who open boxes of toys and whatever. Uh, you know, so it's a community of communities. And the I think unboxing community is weird. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we're going to leave that one alone. There's two. Is any unboxers here? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's like, that's it, I'm out. So we've been talking about the online community, but there's also the community in your area. And there's, there's all these maker spaces popping up. Uh, your local craft stores, your local Home Depots, your local woodcraft and rockler stores they had these meetups on on the weekends and that's a great place to m actually meet face to face with some other other makers i know from my own personal experience i basically got started woodworking from youtube i learned a lot from youtube and like the like um the wood whisperer and 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 steve but 
when I actually found somebody that taught woodworking in my area and I took a six week class with this guy, hands on, face to face, somebody else there to solve my problems as they happen was so, I learned so much from that. So I'm not saying stop watching YouTube, but I'm saying try Please. to find people that you can <laughs> you can relate to in your area by going to these these meetups and these tool demos or whatever. And there's you'll be surprised on how many people like-minded people you'll find right in your area. Yeah, and I mean the online stuff, like you said, is is great and it's virtual and it's it's distributed. Uh, but it causes stuff like this, right? Look at how many people yeah. are in this room physically oh, yeah. together getting hugs from Lutz. <laughs> Because of the virtual, you know, like how we all got connected or whatever. And there are super real friendships that happen in real life. And, and that's maybe a different thing than what you were talking about. But um, they wouldn't happen otherwise, maybe? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Like Josh Price. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Um, Josh Price, we got to know each other a little bit on online. And he lives a couple hours from me or something. And has come up to my house a couple of times. Our kids know each other. We've hung out a little bit. And the last time he came up, I'm not going to give the details, but the last time he came up, I was dealing with some stuff that has nothing to do with YouTube. It's just personal stuff, right? He has some experience with that stuff. And I got to sit down with him at lunch and, like, have a therapy session with a guy who, who has been through stuff that I have not been through before. And it was helpful. That came from a podcast and YouTube videos and being a part of another community that was kind of unrelated to that specific topic. And when I, I, I don't have, a, I'm not going anywhere with that, except I, that it's just, it blows my mind that being a part of a community can lead to so much other stuff that's not that community. I could talk to that point a little bit. People always say to me, is it weird when people come up to you like, and they want to know, and I'm like, no, honestly, it's not because it's like we're all on the, <laughs> this is going to be a weird analogy. We're all like in a dating community online and we're all through all the questions already. And we're all like, we all like, we're on like our 500th email, but we haven't met yet. And when we meet, it was like, oh, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Because we're all in this community. And it's, so when people are like, huh. is it funny when you meet somebody? I'm like, no, because we've all, we're all like in the same, we're on the same lily pad. So it's like, oh, hey. It's like if I walked into, I don't know, I can't even think of a good example of something I don't do, screenwriting. I'd be like, oh, hey, like, what do you do? What did you go? I'm like, I don't know. I make stuff. I don't write anything. Can't even write an email. So that might seem weird. But since we all make stuff, we all grew up playing in the garage, we're all experimenting with this and that. And the other thing, all that pretense is like out of the way. And it's just like, hey, man, I like when you touched that, made that wooden thing. And I'm like, Isn't it, that was fun. Wasn't it fun? It was great. You know, whatever. Yeah. Well, when I do it, I do it this way. Oh, that's a really great thing. I'll remember that next time. So all that's out of the way. Like when I meet everybody here today that I haven't met yet. So that's community. Yeah. And <laughs> we might ask the community to, this community in here, to help us maybe clean up a little bit when we're done. And then, <laughs> the big <laughs> setup for that's that. Because if, if you do, yes. that's going to give us a little bit more time for Q&A. We're going to yeah. quickly but talk because about... Because Tim is here, we all have to take that cardboard and bring each one of the pieces home with us. Yeah. Throw it out at home. Don't throw it out here. <laughs> or just go put it in Tim's truck. <laughs> so quickly talk about subject number two yeah which is attitude and I'll, I'll, I'll get this started by saying I'm a different person than I was probably three years ago where I used to I grew up in this environment this small town environment where like everything sucks you're not gonna get anywhere you know just do you know 
I hate everything. Screw the government. Screw this. Screw that. And I just kind of grew up and thinking everything does suck. And then I've I've read a few books and watched some some videos. And about two years ago, three years ago, I had this total like mindset change where I'm like, one of the books that I read. I've talked about it before, but it was just like, stop complaining for two weeks. Don't complain about anything for two weeks. And then during this two week period, so many positive things happened to me. And whether it's just a coincidence or not, I don't care, but it, it changed my life. And I tried to been a, a positive person since then. And instead of complaining, I try to find the good thing and, the, and that, that, that terrible thing that I hate happened. Complainers. <laughs> I really do. I mean, people that are around me know like, if you're going to complain about something, just go smoke take, a cigarette take it or else, Take it elsewhere. And whether you think not complaining and, and, and just having a positive attitude can affect, I, I, I really believe in law of attraction. Whether you believe that or not, it doesn't matter. Because if you are a positive person and you have a good attitude about things, more people are going to like you because you're you're friendly you're you're fun right. to be around yeah. and since i've had this change i think i've been a better youtuber a better maker a better husband you know a better friend and i i really am totally into positive energy and just a good attitude yeah i mean i really think that your attitude decides the future like going okay here's a good example uh we talked about the glowforge before which is like a laser, I'm just gonna take it to something we know, right? Um, it's a laser engraver that's, that was like one of the biggest crowdfunding campaigns ever, whatever, huge amount of money. $175 billion. <laughs> so yeah, somewhere around Actual that. number. Somewhere around there. Um, and it, I, it totally, I was totally interested. I paid for it, right? And then they were like, it's gonna be a year before you, you get it. Which, which is, it's a crowdfunding thing, fine. Year goes by, they send out an email, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be like three more months. Three more months go by. I think this has happened twice or so. Anyway, December Next 1st, dimension. Next two, days, dimension. two days ago, on December 1st, they sent out another email saying, <gasps> instead of shipping this month, it's gonna ship between May and August. No okay? way. So this is several thousand dollars. I'm glad I didn't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was this waiting is, for my free one. <laughs> this is several thousand dollars that I paid back then that is is floating somewhere that I have, you know, I mean, I can cancel it or whatever, I but I decided, I decided at the beginning when I was pushing the button to pay for the thing, I'm investing in something that I think will be good, not something that I think I will get in December. I decided that my attitude toward that particular product was it's going to be really good. And that's not attached to a time, you know? And so I decided at that point how I was going to react to it whenever it happens. And so when they announced the first delay, whatever, it's no big deal. When they announced this delay the other day, I actually got emails from like four or five people the morning of saying, do you think it's going to get delayed again? Are you going to bail? Are you, what? I don't know why people care what I'm going to do about it, but I was like, no, it gets delayed. Big deal. It's still going to be an awesome laser. And the reason that it's delayed is because they want it to be awesome, not to hit a deadline. All that to say, I decided how I was going to react to this thing, whether I got it or not, when I thought so. Right? I'm, know, I'm picturing like DMV. <laughs> Everybody like waiting for the number to come up, and it doesn't come up, and they're like, "Yeah, that's what everyone just did when they got that email." Yeah, they did. Jeff Bob. And, and there's yeah, I mean there's, but and you can see like 
you can see how people react to it by you know going to the forums. You can see the people that are like, oh, I just wanted it by December, uh, and they they throw a fit about it or whatever. You know, everybody's what's going to happen now is someone's going to come out with a better technology. Somebody that's like backdoor it at the factory, and they're going to come out with a better well, version first, faster. That's a possibility. But my point being is like I decided wrong. my attitude towards it was that I'm willing to wait for something good. You, you know, you could take two. You could have two different reactions. You could be okay. I, I'm going to cancel my order get my money back or whatever or you could say hey you know what this machine just doesn't make pieces on its own maybe i'll take this time to actually learn some of the software that i need to design things yeah. maybe I, I you know i can come up with some cool ideas so when i do have it i'm all ready to go yeah that's a good point it's, yes so Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. You finish. I was going to say, like, you know, deciding ahead of time how you're going to react gives you a lot more freedom to react, right? You're not, it's not going to necessarily be your, this gut reaction of like, oh, I'm really mad because I had a bad day today and I also found out that the Glowforge is delayed. You know, if you've decided ahead of time that it's not really that big of a deal and you're going to react in a certain way, you can still have a bad day without it affecting, like, your attitude towards this particular thing. Maybe the Glowforge is a bad example of. But it comes. <laughs> it comes with maturity. Like, like you bring up something that reminds me of a point. It, it comes with maturity. You you make a decision. You're like, okay, I'm gonna get into this pool to learn this new technology. It's an example I could relate to, and regardless of what happens, I'm gonna take every hurdle, try and absorb it, process it, learn from it, move on, all towards the goal of getting towards the final learning experience of using a software. For instance, uh, this the shop bot that I got. I got that totally like loots the way you are right now, like I have no idea what to do. But I was like, let me confront this. Because every time I go to make a fair, there's a 10-year-old whipping up something that I should be doing. Yeah. And so I, I mean, that, that's the beginning for me at the very beginning. And, and I know Tim's going through it now. And I see Tim's already making some cool parts. The idea is like, I just said, no matter what comes my way, I'm just going to try and Confront it, deal with it, and then go past it. Instead of, you know, when I was 15, I would have, you know, broke it and said, forget it. You know, but, you know, it comes with maturity, the idea of saying, okay, I'm at DMV, I'm just going to wait for my number to come up, no matter what happens. The worst case scenario, I get my car registered tomorrow. You know, so... Yeah. And, and you could take that and you can apply it to your home life. You could be, if your spouse comes home and says, hey, I lost my job today, don't get upset and panic. You, you know, like, take that opportunity to, like, what can we do to make our lives better now? It's funny. I said that a friend of mine lost his job a couple weeks ago, and I said, I said, right now is the most pivotal point in your life. I said, now you can be the ballerina you've always wanted to be. <laughs> That's a 55-year-old man, because I don't want to be a ballerina. <laughs> I was like, it's an example. What is it you really want to be? <laughs> he didn't know. <laughs> Not a ballerina. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you can apply it to your projects as well. Like, if you're making something, and you've decided ahead of time, like, I want to make something good, or I want to make a, a thing that serves a certain purpose, and decide, like, that's your attitude towards it, then it doesn't matter if, like, something fails halfway through. You just have to find a different way to get to your end, you know? But Legs if, off the bench. Exactly. Put a hot dog on it, Put right? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if you decide, like, I'm going to make a perfect thing, and you do anything in the process that makes it not a perfect thing... You're done. You can't can't come back from that, right? You can't fix it. But if you decided that, like, I want to make it serve this purpose, or I want it to look at least this good, <laughs> or whatever, um, you know, you can work around it. I mean, that's kind of what you were saying. You reminded me. Somebody earlier today said, uh, "When do I decide it's time to sell something?" Is that person still here? Is it make it perfect? You said, "Should it be perfect before I begin to sell it?" And I could use the examples. This kind of pertains to what we're talking about. 
When, when I pre-sold 100 ice picks, I was like, oh my God, I just pre-sold 100 ice picks. I, I don't even know how to mass produce these things. The, the sheath doesn't even stay on the one I made for myself for the last two years. How am I gonna like sell them and expect them to be like a quality product? And so I was like, don't panic, you'll figure it out. I made all the ice picks, I made all the sheaths, I still didn't know how to keep them stuck on. And I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I could put a spring in there, I don't, that's gonna waste time. And, but I was like, you know what? The delivery date is over there, and I'm here, and there's still time in between. And then I came up with this little method of putting a dink in it and a slit, and so it's kind of spring-loaded. Um, you wouldn't think of brass being spring-loaded, but it is a little spring-loaded. And that was my solution to that problem. But then that was the first 100, and then I thought I was never gonna make them again. And then I sold the second, now I'm up to like 12 or 1,300 individual ones at 100 per batch. And, but each time I make it, it gets better and different and better and different. And the idea is, okay, this next hundred I make, what little tiny improvement can I make that is make my job slightly easier and make it a little bit more sexier of an object? And so I'm going through that, and that's just an example. Whereas if I waited to get it perfect, I would have never said sell them because I wouldn't have tried to pre-sell them. I wouldn't have backed myself into the corner. So the point is, is that you just gotta go for it and just be optimistic that you're gonna have a solution or that you're gonna sell. So whatever it is you're gonna sell, don't wait till it's perfect. You'll, it'll always keep evolving. Just think in terms of every single year they make a new car for the last 100 years. They don't just keep selling the Model T from 1920. Can you imagine like <laughs> what, what Jimmy's life would be like if he had a bad attitude? Like with all the sewage he has to deal oh. with in all the different places? I turned to Taylor and I said, I go, what have I done wrong in another life that now three locations that I spend most of my time I have sewer backups. <laughs> That's what disgusting. have I done wrong in another life? <laughs> but it's not me. <laughs> Everything I make goes away. It's everybody else's. Anyway, moving on. Oh, man. No, like I said, the, it's just the sewer comes back up. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> yeah, so uh, do we have anything else on? But I love it. Yeah, okay, let's, uh, let's do some questions. We have, we have about 45 minutes, so we have lots of question oh, time, okay. if there are questions. I don't know if there's that many, but anybody got one? Yes. What is your biggest purchase? We'll repeat the questions every time. What is your biggest purchase buyer's remorse for a machine? Me? Yes. Oh, uh, <laughs> I thought all three of us. I was waiting for somebody else's. Well, I'll tell you what. When I first bought my shop bot, you know, I, I'm very daring with credit cards, and I was like, Lay down the credit card, 7,500 bucks, I'll pay it off. It came in, I didn't know how to use it. I kept breaking bits in the software. It was, it was literally like a ghost in the machine. I go to the thing, I'd leave it alone in the room and, and I come back and it looked like a 10 year old scribbled on it with a crayon. Then it would just go snap. And I'm like, this is exactly why I'd ever wanted to make this purchase. Cause this is exactly, just technology and me just don't get along. That was when I had a bad attitude. And, <laughs> I just kept trying, and it wasn't working, and I kept trying, it wasn't working, and then I called ShopBot, and they're like, well, if you change the motherboard, I go, dude, I don't even know how to write an email, so you expect me to change the motherboard on this thing, and then another time, the screw snapped, it's a screw-driven servo, and the screw broke, I was in the other room, and I hear the thing going, but it wasn't hearing anything cutting, and I looked in, and the thing is going, and the threaded rod was snapped. And so I was really at the end of my rope and I really was gonna just, I, I kind of, I call it like, 
I just want my money back. I don't know how you're going to get this 300-pound machine back to North Carolina, but I don't want it anymore. Like, whoa, 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 uh, bring it to Make a Fair, which coincidentally the timing was such that it was in a few weeks. I brought it to Make a Fair. They fixed it. They covered their payment. They covered their guarantee and whatever else, and they fixed it. And then I spent a few minutes with someone. They taught me the software. And so I literally like went 180 from not wanting it to being happy. So for those few months, it was very regrettable. But since then, as far as anything else I regret, once in a while I regret buying something from Harbor Freight. But it's not that big of a commitment because the $20 sander that just decides to not turn on one day, you're like, whatever, I bought $30 worth of food yesterday for lunch, doesn't matter. Uh, for me, I think it's probably the first 3D printer I had. It was a, um, the brand was Delta Printer. And I'm not saying anything bad about them because I actually have their new product. Uh-oh. Actually, I do all too. three of us do. Um, but it was today. a kit, and I want to point this out because it was a kit, and so I had a certain expectation of what a 3D printer will do, not really thinking, factoring in the fact that I had to put the machine together and there's like me involved, right? And so that makes it not do what it's supposed to do. And so I could just never get this printer to actually act like it was supposed to act and print at the quality it was supposed to where other people could. That taught me a lot about me more than the product itself. It taught me that I like tools to work as tools, not as projects. And so for me personally, I just decided at that point that like no more kit tools. You know, if I'm going to spend the money on something, it needs to be something that I can immediately turn into production, something I can immediately use. Yeah, that's that's so, what I think. Yeah, so it was, it was definitely less about the product and more just about me kind of figuring out what I should be buying and what I shouldn't be. Just to that note, when I got my first X-Carve, it sat there for nearly a year. Me and David Welder started putting it together and we had no idea what we were doing. We were both like graveling the whole time. Like, And then I got some teenage interns and they put it together in one afternoon. They had a good attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Callbacks. So there's two tools that I've bought because I thought I needed and then ended up selling. One was the scroll saw. I'm like, woodworkers need a scroll saw. So I bought one I, I, and the, the model that I bought, they didn't make anymore. So I, you know, I waited for Craigslist until that particular model showed up. And, and then I, it sat there for like a year and a half. I'm like, I've only used this thing one time. So I sold it. And then the other big purchase was a huge Powermatic joiner. And I use it like once or twice a year. And a lot of those same tasks could have been done with another machine. And so I recently sold my joiner for what, well, at that time I needed money, but I also needed the, the floor space. And, and I've learned a lesson. And a lot of the, one of the biggest mistakes when you get started in a new hobby is you think you need all the tools right away. You don't. What you need is the tools to complete the projects that you have in mind. So start with a project, buy the tools to complete that project. Don't buy the tools just because you see other people, makers, woodworkers, whatever, with those tools. Point. Who's next? Matt. You can repeat that because I didn't hear all of it. Okay. Mary, kiss, kill with the Dusty Life guys. I want to marry Kyle Toth. Yeah, I think I would want to marry Kyle's. And that's, that's, that dude, what he does is so inspiring and so sexy and just. I just think he's uh, nice. That's why I wanted it. But (laughs) I'd like to have, sit down and have dinner with that guy. 
There you go, tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. One. Uh, it's a, that's a that's a tough one. Yeah. Okay. We all, where, where's Kyle at? He's right there. Uh, hey, buddy. You look good. You look good in that leopard print shirt. Hey, buddy. Can I tell a story? I don't know if I've ever told the story about the. Okay, so last time I saw Toth, we were in uh, Kansas City, and <laughs> we are at this place. I like, get together a bunch of people, and he came up and he was like. Dude, I had a dream about you. You remember this? Okay, so again, he says, I had a dream about you. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I don't, you may remind me if I'm getting it correctly. He said, he said, you were on a morning show, right? Yeah, so I was on a morning show. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. Ha ha. You know, we kind of laughed it off and went on. And then um, maybe six months later or something like that, one of my videos got picked up by Good Morning America and was on, on the thing. And I actually wasn't on there, but I sent it to him. <laughs> I was just like, whoa, dude. <laughs> Kyle Doe, the psychic. Anyway. Also, I would marry the two other guys, too. It's just, Kyle, he's a good-looking well, dude. Well, see, okay, um, you know, yeah. And there's, I've seen there's him Kyle. naked. Brian's got the awesome floppy hair. Already. Sean's got the awesome thick beard. I don't know. I Yeah, they're good-looking guys. Next question. Next, Next question. question. Thank you. <laughs> yes, Jesse. Uh, I want to know what current set of goals. My, the, what brought me... Uh, to where I am, and this is going to sound like a joke, but it's true, living in Manhattan, if you could make it there, you could make it anywhere. And every year I kept saying, I made it this far, I can keep going. I can just improvise, ask the right questions, get the right clients, and pay my bills for one more year. And one thing led to another, and, and so that's honestly like living in Manhattan was definitely a survival skill development process. And uh, I basically always had the attitude of like, one day I'll be the artist that doesn't have to clean and fix floors in a bar or build things I don't want to build. But this is just a path to get to where I want to go. And then uh, after a couple of run-ins with TV shows, I got me to YouTube. And now YouTube is basically the dumping ground for every one of my disciplines that, to come out in a, in a positive light. So. That's just just keep putting one foot in front of the other, knowing that one day I'll be able to be the artist that I feel is brewing within. That doesn't have to clean up his own sewage. That's probably never going to go away. But <laughs> <laughs> Do you see me in my muck boots up to my knees? Yeah. Two days ago. That's a tough question. Um, hmm. I think like my goal for getting where I am now has a lot, maybe not 100%, but it has a lot to do with my family. Uh, I have four kids, my wife, who's here, and awesomely helpful over there, yes. Jenny. Um, He's embarrassed. Um, being able to, to provide for them is obviously about the most important thing I could do, right? Is making sure that these kids survive and turn out to be decent. <laughs> um, and I was telling somebody, I don't know where he was, but I was telling somebody this just, just a few minutes ago, he's a, gonna be a dad soon, and was asking how balance stuff. And I, I'm a firm believer that like, to be the best husband you can be, to be the best dad you can be, to be the best friend or whatever the case may be, to be the best that you can be for someone else, you also have to take a certain amount of yourself and a certain amount of your time and dedicate it to like pour back into yourself, right? To make you better, to scratch the itches that you have so that you can be your best for other people, right? And in the case of my family, uh, part of this whole thing 
is, well, the, the reason I started doing YouTube was actually to be able to justify that time that like, I need to be doing something with my hands so that I'm okay up here. I also need to be able to justify that time because it's time away from my family, but it's also time that's improving me for my family. So it's this whole kind of weird circle of, you know, I'm doing this stuff to be better for them um, so that I can just be a better dad and better husband. So I think that's a big part of why I started doing this and then it turned into like a business and a real job and something I love doing and now it's bigger and now I'm like, wow, I can support my family. I can not only be okay for them, I can be like provide for them. Um, and so I think that was like the, the big goal for getting where I am. Um, goal going forward, um, actually, this is in between those two questions. I, I wish I could show you guys this video that <laughs> our kids are at home with a babysitter right now. And um, she sent a video of my my second son, Hawk, who's like the maker in my family. <clears throat> I might start crying for this. Sent me a video of him saying, hi, I'm Hawk and I like to make stuff. And <laughs> he made um, a Nerf gun. He's six took a Nerf gun, duct taped a piece of string to the end of the Nerf gun, and then tied the other end of the string to the gun so he could shoot it and then pull it back to him. And he made a video showing how it worked and like, and he was like, hey, check out my other videos. Ah! <laughs> That's making me cry. I, the future is, I want more of that. Good. When Ben was up on stage, somebody asked him what his where, where he would be five years from now, and he his answer just blew me away and made me feel so much better about myself because I don't have a five year plan. I have a plan for next week, right? I, there are things in place to make sure that my business just doesn't go away next week, but I try to keep myself very open to changes and I'm ready to pivot at any time. And a lot of these things that help me make money, I don't have control over, and they could go away at any time. And that's, that's YouTube, or my server could go down and I could stop, I wouldn't be able to sell plans or books or, or, or whatever. And so I don't like to think too far ahead, and like Jimmy said, one foot in front of the other. Let's take care of now, and if I Fix keep- the clock. <laughs> fix your clog and if you if, if if you have good intentions and you have a and you are making smart business moves or or even if it's just a hobby for you if you're making smart moves you're going to always find yourself moving forward so i don't like to think too far ahead point uh next question anybody have a question over here how do I grow my arm hair? I can't see, who's saying that question? I can only hear it. Oh, hi. How do I grow my arm hair back? I hold my breath and I push really hard. <laughs> like Nick Offerman says, it will grow back by tomorrow morning. <laughs> no, uh, I, I just, I, that's why I just space out my, uh, you can always tell what I've been testing, sharpening. I, I spread out my knife videos far enough. That's why. And then, like, the reason I never use 360 cameras, because if I go to use a 360 camera in a knife video, you'll see all the attempts on the other arm. And you could, like, zoom in and see how it wasn't as sharp as it needed to be for the final take. Over here. Uh, it's a good question. 
My plasma CNC, I got a four by four table from Torchmate uh, in Lincoln, and I don't really have the space for it, but I have it in my container, and uh, I'm getting electric to that area that's currently taking place. I'm getting electric installed. Um, I started laying out some ideas for package design, but in steel. So I could cut out a package design layout, and then I could potentially sell it or give it to somebody, and then they could take it home and fold it up and weld it into a box or a stool or a seat. So that's really, I've been making some sketches of simple welding projects. You get them home, you bend them on the perforations, you weld them where they get welded, and then you kind of, it's kind of like a DIY, but combined with IKEA concepts of being able to mail stuff flat. You could also use, and this is not your idea that you were talking about, but you could also use that same thing as a fixture to fold packaging. So if you, you could make like a, a folded metal fixture to fold a paper box around, like a jig oh, yeah. to make, you know. <clears throat> yep. So I mean, I, I probably will make like apple boxes and steel, a couple of ideas. I have a few ideas uh, that are basically like, and then I take it out and then bend it up and weld it, and then become. You do the at home. <laughs> that should be on the package. <laughs> you do that. It's really like frying bacon. Yeah. That's a good welding. What's the guy from Police Academy? Oh. Michael, Michael Winslow. Winslow. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Duresta, the Michael Winslow of YouTube. All right, who's next? Right here. That's how we started, really. <laughs> That's kind of how we started around the same time as our very first thing. And the, the question was, have we ever thought about doing a collaboration? Sorry. Right, yeah. When uh, We tried that. It, it didn't work as of now. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen, because we do talk about it, but each one of our lives is so busy. Bob started we're, we're, it. We're all so busy. We, we really are all so busy. So one of us started the project, even though he didn't have a lot of time to, and he put it in the mail, and he sent it to one of the other guys. Wait, I got the I didn't get anything That's right. I sent it to him. I'm using it for storage. I'm storing things in it right now. <laughs> and then, like, a while later, I was like, man, just burn it. Just, like, you know, we'll come up with something else. Yeah, that was the original idea. Is we were, I was going to start. I don't, did we come up with an idea for it? We do something it? in Fusion now. We could actually all be on the same thing. I, I think the idea is we each start a new project and, like, I think mine was going to be a lamp, and I'll do right. I'll do uh, step one, and then I'll send it to you, and it's your responsibility to come up with what step two is, and step three, and so on. We were, we were so on we'd all end up three. With nine. Yeah. Yeah. Processes. Nine, yeah. Right? Maybe someday. Maybe. I don't know. It is actually really hard for us to coordinate. It's amazing that we actually get together once a week to record a podcast. We don't talk at all until three minutes before four o'clock, and it's like, are we doing this now? Because I have seven hundred other things to do. <laughs> no, no. See you at four. Okay, shit. And we're, we're done, like, recording. We're like, okay, cool. See you later. Bye. Yeah, bye. Cool. Yeah, bye. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it'd be cool, though. I think the hard thing for us is, like, shipping stuff. I, th I think that's a general problem with collaboration stuff for makers. Is like never get to the mailbox. I yeah. Mean, to it, the post office. It's ever. hard to, to ship parts, or it's hard to, like, be on the same page about vision, about what it is you're doing. Or also, I mean, there's so much overlap in our skill sets. I mean, you know, Jimmy's in his own like world or whatever, but there's a lot of overlap. So it's like if we decide, say we decided to do something that was like wood and metal and something else, who does what? Like, how do we decide where's the, you know, there's just like stuff to it. So we had that. You had the idea of, I don't know, do we want to announce it? Was yeah, that, go ahead. The, I don't remember what you're talking about. The what? The, the, the chessboard. We were Go ahead and say the chessboard. It. I don't know. Jimmy had the idea of like, let's all come up with a chessboard, but make it like totally unique. 
but we never did. Oh yeah, well that was an old project. Well, it, it is a project. One of my my teacher at school of visual arts gives out, where everybody gets to make their own chessboard. And Tim Tim did it. He made the recycled chessboard, and uh, the idea of just making a chessboard out of you know, themed, a themed chessboard. Then I had the idea, which I'm gonna announce now, you guys are gonna push us to do it. Each one of us gets a chopstick and we have to make something out of the chopstick. And I called yeah. it the chopstick challenge. It was sort of a joke based off of the, the two by four challenge. It's just a complete opposite. So we each get a chopstick and we have to make something. It can make like a little tiny Titanic, this big out of all those splinters. <laughs> based off of the toothpick guy I saw in Rochester. Yeah, so it if you have great. an idea for collaboration, send it to us, maybe we'll try to figure it out. It would be cool. You each get one toothpick. Oh, great. <laughs> I'd love that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Make a Mecca, I got, uh, I, I haven't been talking about it as much just because I kind of put my foot in my mouth over the last couple of years, kind of painting myself into unaffordable corners. And uh, I, I got several thousand dollars from uh, the, the, the fundraiser, and I had an architect do a $6,000 drawing, and I looked at it, and I was like, I can't afford that. And uh, I can barely afford the drawing, but with the money I got, I spent. And uh, so we, we took a step back. I tried to buy a piece of property in the area. Too much money, can't get a finance can't get financing, mortgage, commercial mortgage is different than a regular mortgage. It's like, how do, how do people live? I don't understand it. So I just took a step back. I owned the property. I contacted a builder. Um, I talked to, to David, uh, the Mexican guy, who was in one of my videos previously. And between him and this other builder I have, we're gonna come up with something in the spring. So I got some pricing and it's much more within reach. You know, it's like whenever we get down a project and you start thinking like you can't really see the vision, but you just keep walking towards the light, even though the light is dimming, just keep walking there. The light is starting to go bright again. And then, of course, once that's up and going, I will certainly have these guys and every other YouTuber that I admire and learn from there as various schedules come and go. So, yep. How, how difficult was the... This how hard was it for Me, us to This leave has our always been my day job, so I can't answer this question. Honestly, I mean, that sounds like a joke, but it's true. I've always been making things my whole life, thankfully, um, with various levels of survivability of the income, but you guys are on your own. One day, Kelly said, she's over here. She said, can you make a living from YouTube? And I was like, yes! And then I like, put her in my two weeks. It was like... <laughs> 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 Are you sure? <laughs> I already said yes. It's, I, I've always wanted to work for myself for like the past 15 years. I'm like, I thought for a while I was going to be a web developer or a graphic designer and just like freelance and do that. And then I accidentally got into woodworking and then I accidentally got into woodworking videos and you, you, you see it build up and you see the potential. And at my day job, uh, when I was a web developer, it was getting really frustrating. We were taking on clients that were outside of what our original uh, business plan was. And, I, and it was, it was, it became very frustrating at work. And I was bringing that home, unfortunately. Don't bring work home. And I was just really frustrated. And Kelly's like, can we do the YouTube thing? And we just sat down and we figured, we, we listed all of our expenses. And when you do that, when you write down everything that you pay for every month, half of those things you don't need. Maybe even more than half of those things. And we're like, okay, this is what I'm making through AdSense and, and selling plans. We're almost there. And she's like, you know, 
I'll, you know, I can help. We'll, we'll make this work. And I, I quit my job. And when you throw yourself into the fire, you figure out ways to make it work, at least in my situation. But when you're, when you're under that pressure, you, you, you're, you're into it. That's all I think about all day. When the time I get up to the time I go to bed, like what what can I do to make myself and my my business and my my our lives better and, and me and me happier? It's and I made the right decision because I just I don't want to ever work for anybody else ever again. So it was hard and it wasn't hard at all. <laughs> That's that hmm. okay. Um, for me, it was terrifying, completely terrifying. Um, I like to plan things if that's not obvious. I like to, you know, make sure, do my best to get everything in a row and get it all figured out. I'm good with like rolling with punches and stuff. And if things don't go as planned, no big deal. But I like to think through things all the way if I can. And when we started talking about uh, me quitting the job, it was kind of the same where like I'd started doing product development at the last job and it was really cool. And then it just turned into like other stuff that wasn't interesting and I wasn't, I wasn't necessary there. And that made me very like, Ugh. Like I'm not serving a purpose here. I'm not. I'm not adding Bob to whatever we're doing. And uh, so I was just kind of getting dissatisfied with that. And, and then this whole thing started happening, and it was super interesting. And so I started thinking through it really far in advance. Like you know, how's this going to work over the next few months? Like if I were to jump ship, and and I was thinking just super hard about it and planning and doing all this stuff. And I. I remember one specific conversation we had, I was just like, well, I've thought through this all the way as much as I can. And what if it doesn't work? You know, what if like I have all the planning in the world and I quit the job and it works great for six months and then all of a sudden like it just doesn't work. That was my fear. And cause I, like I said, I have four kids, I have to provide. And um, <laughs> Jenny was like, then you get another software job. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually not that big of a deal, right? And, and in fact, I was in Chicago one time and I was talking to this guy that I did not know about this whole thing when I was going through it. And um, you know, I told him what my job was at the time and he said the exact same thing. He was like, you could walk outside and wave your resume around and get a job in software, which is kind of an exaggeration, but kind of not too. And so, yeah, I mean, once I had somebody like kind of kick me out of the like long-term vision thing and like figuring out all the details and just being like, you'll be fine. I was like, One oh, step at a time. it's still scary, but it's not impossible, right? And, you know, that, that made it a lot easier to have somebody, again, community, right? Oh, yeah. My community, my local community, Jenny, my wife, and my good friend Josh are the two biggest catalysts in me doing this because they brought in a perspective to this business that I could not have on my own. I was too focused on the work itself, so. Right here. So the question, two-part question, how many videos do we have to make before we found our creative voice and how did that affect our branding at that point? At that point. I feel like you two found your voice pretty darn quick. I was making videos to sell concept ideas. So a lot of those videos um, involve some speed, speeded up stuff. So I was already kind of dabbling in that for some of the videos that I used to pitch TV concepts. And uh, so when I started making videos publicly, uh, they, it was kind of an easy stretch, but this is sort of a, a well-known story where I decided not to use sound and voiceover because I just wanted to be sure that I was able to make them quickly. And then that turned into being my trademark shortly thereafter, really shortly thereafter. But I, 
I, was, I wasn't like, okay, nobody on YouTube is making silent videos. That could become my thing. And that wasn't at all a conscious decision. And it also wasn't a conscious decision to do that because I wanted to make international videos. So it wasn't, a, it was just kind of happened by accident. So, you know, they say luck, uh, uh, is it, what, what is the term? Luck is like uh, hard work mm, and something that. else. That's pretty cool. I don't know. Does anybody know that saying? I think you just made it up. The harder you work, the luckier you get. That's, ah, that'll work. That's, that's nice. good. <laughs> so the harder that's, I work, the luckier I got. And yeah. So for me, like creatively, um, I actually had been watching a bunch of Jimmy's videos when I was thinking about starting to making videos. And I knew him from TV beforehand, and I just really admired the videos. But I kept going like, man, I want more information. I want more information. And so the, when I was talking earlier about having to justify my time in the shop, for me to be able to justify the work that I was going to put into these videos, it had to have value to other people. And so the way that I thought to do that was like, I'm going to take Jimmy's style of speeding things up and being able to get through an entire project, but I'm going to add an added value to it of me explaining what I'm doing in case it's not obvious, right? Maybe it is obvious. I don't know. Um, but that was the, the kind of the first, that was how I... You were I'd, doing vlogs too, right? Like Laura did, right? You were doing, I mean, well, not, online, online accompaniment? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was writing a whole lot of stuff initially to go along with it, to, to be super detailed, like overly detailed. And um, so that was how I started creatively... As far as the, and then, and then creatively since then, I've been trying to make incremental change. It was interesting to hear a couple other people talk about incremental change today because that's the way I look at improvement is the, the best way is to do something different on every single video that may not be obvious to any of you that things have changed, but over time stuff has changed drastically. So that's my creative progression. As far as branding, um, I thought far too much about branding before I even made a video. Not far too much. Relative to a lot of other people, it's far too much. But I figured out all my branding. I had all my assets, that because that's where I come from, and I just got all that stuff prepared um, so that I had everything I needed to go out in the state that I wanted to go out. You know, it wasn't perfect, but like I had my logo, I had all my assets and everything, so that my first video looked exactly like I wanted it to look for the first one. So, Before I answer that question, I want to say one of our most important episodes of the podcast is titled Getting Started. And sometimes you have to just get started before you can find your style and voice. And it might take, I'll, I'll use YouTube for an example, but you can apply this to anything. Like you have to make a handful of YouTube videos first before you can figure out how you want to talk to the camera, if you want to talk to the camera, the type of angles you want to use, the music and, and whatever, and find your style. So that being said, just get started and you'll find your voice. For me, I've gone through like three major changes and it's, it's, it's hurt my business and it's also helped my business. So I used to do the weekly wrap ups and there was, you asked how many videos, I think I made about 60 or 70 videos before I was able to quit my job. Um, but that was me talking about other woodworkers in this little weekly show. And I got to a point, almost like the Casey Neistat thing, where I was like, I'm not challenged by this. I want to be challenged by making my own projects, my own videos. And so I gave that up. And then I, I just concentrated on making project videos. And then a lot of that was film everything, do a voiceover, maybe show my face at the beginning and at the end of the video. And that worked for a little bit. And then 
I was like, this is not, I'm not feeling it yet. I'm not finding my rhythm. And then I hired a cameraman who's now my cameraman on Tuesdays and an assistant. And he comes once a week and we, uh, we film a project. And so I don't do the voiceovers anymore. And I'm on camera the entire time. I'm talking. You're seeing the mistakes, which I think makes me seem a little bit more human than just watching, you know, a five minute video. The robot. I'm a robot. And so <clears throat> it's, it, every time I've made a huge change, there's always going to be people. I like the old, I like the drunken worker better than make something. You I changed. I, yeah, you, you changed. I'm, I'm, I'm unsubscribed. Six years old too. Yeah. And I think like Bob's channel took off so fast and just blew up last year and this year. I think because he found his voice early on. Jimmy found his voice early on. So they're like at these crazy numbers. And I've been making videos about the same amount of length as Bob, but it took me longer to find my voice. But now that I'm, I'm finding my rhythm, I'm there, I think it's going to really just take off from here, you know? It's different for everybody. There yeah. is all these questions. There is no one solid answer. It's going to be different for everybody's situation. I was going to say that exact same thing. I mean, it's the, the two of us is a perfect example of like entirely different approaches to most things, but there's still success in both of those. And yeah. it's, there's no silver, silver bullet to any of this stuff. None of it. No matter what, you know, Facebook says or... And what I consider success is different than what Bob considers success. Success isn't subscribers and and views for yeah, me ben, ben said something to that effect yeah. yeah yeah success is happiness and finding fulfillment in your life or making if you want to impact other people's lives you know yeah mark you had a question you had your hand up my plumbing <laughs> two things shipping and bookkeeping <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh shipping absolutely but, mailbag but, but, let's repeat the question yeah. uh, well, he just asked what what something that would make the business easier something that we find difficult someone that could stand in line at the post office <laughs> which i do get from time to time i have some friends that volunteer and help but post office and shipping is the is the biggest problem i mean i still owe people figurines that i have to ship to europe and they're in boxes. I just got to go there and deal with the customs forms and all that stuff. So shipping is one. And uh, for me right now, logistics, because Taylor and I are spending more time upstate because now we have the commitment of the chickens. So it's like, okay, if I'm going to be upstate for four days, what videos can I start or finish in that location? If I'm going to be downstate for four days, how can I, what can I start or finish there? So logistically, right now, I'm kind of in two places. And so for me, that makes video production slightly slower and a little bit more difficult. So that, but that's my own personal problem. Yeah, I hate shipping. Shipping is awful. That's why I signed all my books and then sent them to the publisher and said, you ship them. I make less money, but they're shipping. I, I get my time back. And time management is the most difficult thing because nothing means more to me than my time. And so I don't know how to manage my time better, but I'm learning every, every week as, as we go. I think I think for me it's probably space, and that sounds so yeah, that's just silly same, same to to say because I know like so many people do amazing work in tiny small spaces, and so I'm not complaining about the fact that I have a small shop, but the thing that that blocks me on personally is that I want to do some larger pro longer term projects, not physically larger, um, and when you do longer term projects 
in my case, I'm putting out a video every single week, which means I have to be able to store those projects when I'm not working on them. I'm working and on so, a canoe project. I mean, mentally, I'm working on a canoe project right here where there's all the room in the world. Yeah. When I make it, I got no room for it. But you got to commit to it, right? You got to like Absolutely. decide, this is what I'm doing. Until, canoe in my life for six months. Yeah, you have to decide that's what you're doing until it's done. And so if I had some more space, then I could easily work on this for a couple of hours and then move on to the thing that's actually coming out this week and I could have multiple things in progress which I think would just make the whole turnover easier. Because right now, those two things that I was talking about earlier that I'm working on, one of them is Bondo and one of them is Metalwork. And so I literally, in the same space, have to completely clean up, completely move everything into another room, switch over to a different project and then clean up all that. Like they're just different materials that won't work together. So. Yes, so Jacob LaRocca in the back. I how do we, say no cheeseburger for you, is what I say. The question was, how do you <laughs> approach people who don't value the work that you do and they wouldn't buy it from you? I just say, you don't get it. And they don't get it. Like I, this is a funny story that me and David Welder always reference. Years ago when I was just sort of starting up my interior building, surviving business, and I was doing anything for anybody, a woman gave me a $400 down payment to build shelves in her office that she rented out space, desk space to. So it was like an early version of this sort of communal office where people could rent temporary space. So I was making her several things for $800. So I got half of the money up front to buy plywood to make into desktops, which would span across file cabinets. And she just kept saying, are they gonna look good? Are they gonna be good? How, are they going to be strong? She just kept telling me that. And then like three days later, she's like, but are they going to be strong? And I said, you know what? I'm going to give you your money back because you don't trust me. Why don't you just go to Ikea? No, no, no. I said, no, no, no. I've made the decision. I'm, I'm going to get... She's like, but I just checked and it, the check is cleared. I said, well, I'm going to write you a check from my bank account for $400 and it's going to clear. And if it doesn't clear, you can call the police on me. So I wrote her a check and I mailed it back to her. And that's basically, if people complain, they get no cheeseburger and that's it. No cheeseburger. There's nothing I can add to that. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. You 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 pay for what I'm worth. I don't do many much commission work, but I put a value on myself. And it's important that you put a value on yourself. You have a skill. You have knowledge that this uh, that the the buying party doesn't have. And it's important that you put value on yourself. Every time you meet a client, you're going on your very first date with somebody that you're either gonna go all the way to home base with, or you're gonna just say, I don't even want to kiss this person. And it's exactly the same thing with every relationship you have. So, and a lot of times I say, I, I make this, I, if you have the opportunity to see them make decisions and they're like, uh, I, I make a joke, I'm like when you sit down with them and you have lunch for a design consultation and they can't even decide what salad to get or what drink to get, that means they're not gonna decide what color you're gonna paint the thing that's sitting in your shop that you're, you were overworking for. So when I see them like, um, what? What's this? I'm like, this person can't even. Like, I'll be like, this cheeseburger right here. That's it. What's next? I got to get out of here. They get cut off. No cheeseburger for you. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, I couldn't now. hear the question. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was Chuck a running joke. <laughs> and Bob contributed to this joke, by the way. So, he asked, is Chuck a real person? So, this cameraman. <laughs> Okay, don't don't ahead. tell. Okay, this is just for the 200 people in the room. Don't tell anybody. Out? I'm gonna edit this out of the okay. podcast. All right. All right. Ch 
Chuck was made up. And I'm sorry, Chuck is Santa Claus. <laughs> how, then how did you show his tattoo? <laughs> What's that? How did you show us his tattoo? Oh! <laughs> Kyle Toth played into that. Oh my goodness. Oh! So there's so many, there's, there's so many stories here. Um, there's layers of lies. Yeah, how do you keep, how do you keep it going? Kyle Toth, his buddy, has this, this tattoo on his... What? He, this is amazing. Kyle Toth's buddy has Kyle's name tattooed on his butt. Right? That is friendship. Okay? How, raise your hand if you have like your that. friend's name tattooed on your butt and you're not married to that person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um... So... Yeah, I, it started off as a joke. I was I, when I was working at my job, I was brainstorming with my my coworker. He's full of good ideas, and he's like, "What if one of your videos, like, you just bring in this fake person?" And so I came up with some ideas where, like, okay, I'm gonna have a fake cameraman. Where I'm like, okay, okay, Chuck, zoom in up on this thing, and then the camera doesn't zoom, but I pause for like two seconds, and I thought that's hilarious. And then I did it like another time. Bob, who we weren't really friends yet at the time, sends me an email. Had like, "Hey, can I borrow your cameraman, Chuck, for?" one of my videos and I'm like yeah go, yeah go ahead and then Izzy did it and in one of his videos and then I started getting people like not even asking me but just using Chuck in their videos and it just it blew up and it was it was so it was so weird and crazy and uh, Chuck isn't real but don't tell anybody the focus bit I, I died laughing the first time you did that because I knew it wasn't real it was so obvious but it was so funny it was so good anyway uh, we got about five more minutes so maybe like two more questions and we got Mark. Do we have any personality traits that hinder our making? I will say this. I get I don't know why these people keep watching my videos, but they hate my personality. They they yeah. They hate the like in your face, like they like stop yelling at me. Well stop watching the videos. Like I, no, no, nothing about my personality hinders what I do. I'm just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think for me, it, I if it hinders at all, it's just me overthinking things. I like to, I like to think through and try to pre-solve as many problems, which I think is good in the long term. But it slows down a lot of that, like just get out there and start it. And the the thing I'm building with the the three weird things I was talking about earlier has been a really trying example for me because like I, I knew that these had the components that I needed for this project, but I didn't really know how to get them out of those objects. And so it was a lot of, it still is, I'm not done with it. It's a lot of just like, I didn't plan this. I don't really know how this is gonna work. I don't know how I'm gonna fit these things together, but I'm like forcing myself to, you know, to not pre-plan and to, to just get like hammer through it. So but that, that's one thing that slows me down some. I, my big, I got to, to think about this answer. My biggest problem is that I'm a hoarder. And I, you know, I say that you know, the first step is admitting your problem, but I really am a hoarder. I can't walk past certain materials and be like, Okay, I'll take it. So, and I jokingly say, with my 40 acres upstate, I'm going to be that crazy, kooky, old, long, white-bearded man with suspenders on that meets the pickers at the front door and yells at them, living on a dilapidated bus. I, I really think that that's my future. That's quite a plan. With an overgrown, that's my plan. No. <laughs> I'm a hoarder and I don't have enough room in my workshop and that's because I'm a hoarder and that's my because I spend so much time managing my junk and that's why I'm giving a lot of stuff away today after the show. Yes, sir. Coolest workshop I've been in and what made it cool? 
To me, every workshop with like a high ceiling is cool. <laughs> Where I can, I can go like this and not touch something or I could like swing a sheet of plywood and not break a light, or a light bulb. Um, I, I don't know, what is the coolest workshop I've been in? Um, I guess the coolest workshop I probably have been in is this, the workshop, which I don't think it exists anymore because it's been disbanded, is where Nick Offerman built the canoe and I videotaped it because right outside the window was the Statue of Liberty. Nick rented that space and it was in Red Hook, Brooklyn and it was, uh, it was a series of 10 stalls and each stall was about as big as the space created by four of these posts. It was 10 of those stalls, so everybody got that much space, and then with a hallway down the middle. It was kind of like set up like a horse barn, but that just happened to be how the layout of the pillars. Building was built during the Civil War era um, in Red Hook, Brooklyn, so it had all that history behind it, and you had this collaboration of great woodworkers with this huge hallway down the middle for them as a common space. And the owner of that rental, the guy who, who shouldered that lease, had the biggest, coolest space, and when he met Nick, Nick wasn't Ron Swanson at the time, but Nick had a little bit of extra money. And he said, what space can I build a canoe? And he goes, you know what? It's, I like this project. Why don't you build it in my space? Because I'm not working over the next six months. He was doing something else. So it was actually the owner's space. So that's a long question, but a long answer. But that was uh, where we built that. I actually haven't really been in that many different shops. Um, but two really stick out. One is my granddad's shop. And I think it's amazing just because of, you know, nostalgia and just like growing up seeing him work. And one thing that was really awesome about him, um, he fit everything to his needs. So it wasn't like, you know, well, there's a shop and I'll just make, you know, I'll work around the shop. He worked his shop and his house around him, which I think is really cool. And that's what we should do, right? We should, we should own our space and own our stuff and use it, you know, bend it to our will. Um, the other one is the, David and I got to go to Pier 9, oh, the Autodesk <laughs> place. Instructables office, uh, one, one of those, they're the same company, um, in San Francisco. Unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. I mean like a room. I've seen videos of it, my friend visited there, so his his. It's like five by 10 water jet tables and like these CNC's that several of us could climb into. And I mean, it's just crazy, but. I am way more inspired by artists than I am woodworkers and uh, I think the coolest shop, which is actually an art studio, is probably my, my friend Josh. It, it's in the attic of his garage, and he paints and, and does graffiti art. And it's just covered. Like, there's just, all his art is just piled up against the wall. And, I, and I'm walking in there, and it's so cool. There's these sculptures that he's, that he's working on, that he's worked on in the past that he, that he can't sell. But to me, they're awesome. And so all his art is all over this garage. And it was just really inspiring. And my dream space is having something where I walk into and I feel inspired and I, and I want to work. And, and I don't want there to... I'm the opposite of Jimmy when it comes to... Like, Jimmy has all his stuff laid out. And, or laid out. Thrown about. Piled out. Piled, Piled out. out. Yeah. And I like... I, I like there to be negative space. I like there to for things to have room to breathe and live. And so my dream place is to have a big open space carpeted. I want to have a carpeted wood shop because back <laughs> problems and feet problems and stuff. And then I want there to be artwork on the wall. And I want to go down in there and I just want to I just want to feel inspired and feel like working. Um, let's do like one more. Okay. One more. Make it good. 
Okay, there's two people right there. Two more. All right, Josh, you're first. Doesn't have to be that good. Favorite and least favorite project and why? I always try to make my current project, and this is the typical answer, I know, but I always want my current project to be my favorite project because that means I am fully into it. So the hot dog table that I'm working on right now, my favorite project. Last week's favorite project was the, the hall table that turned into a, a bench. Least favorite project, I don't know that I have an answer for. Um, the, the wiener dog tie rack. That thing was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I just want to point out that you were talking about a hot dog table just a second ago. <laughs> so, you know, it's not that far yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for me, let's see, favorite project is probably the secret door because that was like yeah. fulfilling a, a, a childhood of a friend of mine that really wanted it. So that was great. It was awesome to be able to like do that for him and for his son who still doesn't know about it, which is super cool. Um, my least favorite, um, I have a bunch, I don't know, like maybe the first 20, can I say that? <laughs> Only because, the, not necessarily the projects, a lot of the projects I'm not really happy with, but when I look back at the videos and the presentation of the project, that's the thing that I'm like, I missed it. You know, I just, even if I liked the thing, like I missed presenting it in the way that it should have been presented, so... Thinking in terms of a much grander scale, my favorite project is my YouTube accomplishment and my 300 plus videos that I've built. And uh, lately with my content ID, I'm going back and reviewing every single video I ever made and getting to see them with somebody else's logo on them. It's wonderful. And so that just reminds me of the accomplishment I've, I've achieved in the last three, five years. Um, and my on the, in that same venue, my most regrettable TV video project is a show called Against the Grain with Jimmy DeResta, which I looked really good because I was super skinny, but the show was horrible. So, yeah, no one's, no one, see, no one ever even seen it. it sucks. I'm gonna look it up now, though, for sure. Against the Grain with Jimmy DeResta. Everybody, it's a everybody get out your show. <laughs> the producer said, We want a show just like the one you did with your brother, but we don't want your brother to be in it. <laughs> oh, exactly what they said to me. Wow. Trolls. All right, last one. Oh, what? Oh, my wife has one. She'll be the last one. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the question was, Bob, am I ever going to write a book? Why has that been asked to me like four times in the last... Um, I have written a part of a book, but I don't know if I'll ever release it or not. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's, it's not, not fan fiction. No, I, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever finish it. Yeah. Books are, you're not going to get rich off of writing books. I, I have, hated writing that book, oh, and yeah. when anybody comes up to me and shows it to me, I'm like, wow, you really like this thing? I, it, it was so difficult. It was like writing the longest, most complicated book report of my life about a book that didn't exist. <laughs> I hate writing emails and I hate writing books even worse. I, I get like five opportunities to write books, I just ignored them. But his book is beautiful. <laughs> I mean that. I have, I just released a book uh, a couple weeks ago. I do his have second book. Sale. My second book. Second I have both book. books here if you want to buy one. Thank you, thank you. Um, I, so I do make a little bit of money off of writing a book, 
but the truth is if I can find a sponsor for a video, I'll make more money in a week in a week than it takes, you know, the, the six, eight weeks it takes to write a book. I, I learned the process of writing a book is like walking up Mount Everest backwards for free. But it's it's wow. There's the <laughs> There's the challenge of writing the book, and we're always trying to challenge ourselves. And when I finish each book, it feels like it's such a good feeling because I did this thing that was out of my comfort zone. And I can actually, my, my parents don't completely understand what I do for a living. They think I'm a woodworker. I'm not a woodworker, I make YouTube videos. And, but when I, can, when I show them this book, they think I'm and famous. the photography's oh, incredible, nice. yeah. and the graphic's uh, incredible, and it's beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Unlike mine. But it, this book makes me feel good because it makes me feel like a real woodworker. Like validates. It validates what I do. Thing, yeah. 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 Hmm. So just if anybody out there is dyslexic, has horrible reading comprehension, and doesn't know how to spell a word, don't write a book. <laughs> but you can, right? I mean, you can. Uh, I guess you can. <laughs> All right, we have <laughs> one. We just have to read it? How many of you in this room, this is not, I'm reading this for people who can't see me, I'm reading this not from, I'm reading it from someone else. How many of you in this room got started or inspired to create by one of these makers who have been on the stage today? Show of hands. Oh. Wow. Oh, I don't know if Damn. I want that pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys. How many Let's people have you. quit their jobs? Wow. Right on. That's crazy. <laughs> awesome. That's not my fault. That is not yeah. my fault. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, guys. Wow. That's great. Thank you, Jimmy. I'd like to say thank you to these two guys because they make it easy for me to be involved. They edit. They set up schedules. They set this up. They do all the hard work. And I'm like the old man that they don't tell me anything. They're like, don't tell them. Let's don't let them be worried. It doesn't matter. So thank you to you guys for making it easy for me. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely. I was, I was hoping to beat you to that because I wanted to thank you guys because every week for an hour and a half, I get to hang out with Jimmy Duresta and Bob Cleggett. How cool is that, right? <laughs> and they, even though I don't do exactly what they do and I don't do what all the other podcasters do, everybody has something separate. I'm inspired by everybody because everybody does that unique thing and they have their own voice and their own style and that inspires me so much. And... There, there's about 10 different YouTubers where I actually have alerts set up on my phone when they release a video and I get excited for it. And you two are mm. definitely on Thank there. You very so much. It, Likewise. I love it. Awesome. Um, that's it. I think we're done for this week. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's here and everybody who's listening for helping us get to 100 episodes. And here's to 100 more. Thank you. Um, yes. We'll, we'll keep making the show as long as you guys keep listening. Huge thanks to everybody else who's been on stage today. Thank you, uh, The other podcast. To everybody who's helped us set up, our spouses and parents and friends and Matt and Converse. And uh, it's it, it I, a lot of people. Yeah. Th this was supposed to be like the th literally the three of us getting together somewhere to record at a table, not this. <laughs> so that's how it started out, and it just kind of like fell down a hill and turned into what it is now. I think we have a we have to do this again next year. I think, I think we might. Yeah. What so anyway, big thank you to everybody who's been a part of it, everybody who's here, everybody who's listening. You're awesome, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank very you very much. Woo!
Look good. Thank you. I love you.